Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rightfully So, your podcast for all things first-year writing in the college classroom. Uh, this episode, it's another special sort of like instructor-focused episode, so if you're a student, get out now. I mean, you can stay, but you're probably going to find the discussion really sort of like dull and boring because we're going to be talking about things like how does how do we cope with you know AI generated chat in the classroom? So, uh, if you're an instructor, please stay. If you're if you're a student, scroll on, find one of the other episodes that talk about like thesis statements or something to entertain yourself. Um, okay, so that being said, as I suggested, the topic of discussion for today is AI generated text. Um, we we've recently seen um, these sort of language model software. Uh, come out in the last few months. And, and of course, understandably, there's concern about how students may use or misuse these tools as a way to sort of shortcut the learning process. Um, you know, and and how do we deal with that as instructors? Like what are some of the, maybe some of the tools and strategies that we can bring to bear to come maybe combat use or abuse of chat GPT and similar AI generated text in the classroom? And maybe also discuss is there a space to use these tools perhaps in the manner in which they are originally intended? In other words, rather than as an essay writing tool, but maybe as a collaboration tool. Um, I'm of the opinion that that there is a space for these things in the classroom and that ultimately by by acknowledging that space and and allowing and encouraging that space, it's much more likely that a, a significant number of your students are going to use the tool in the way in which it was attended. There will always be those outliers that are probably going to use and abuse it because they see it as a way to sort of shortcut the process because they don't like writing. They don't like reading. They don't like all of the above. They got better things to do. They see writing as checking a box, and this is the fastest way to check that box. Um, and and I guess my only response to those kind of students is you're only sh you're only shortchanging yourself, kid. Uh, yeah, you check the box. You you yeah, you hacked the system. Good for you. Uh, let me know how that works out for you 30 years from now when you run into situations where you can't game the system. Um, you know, these are lessons that we learn early in life that that sort of service later on. So I think that the, the place I want to start for this episode is is maybe to open up the floor to Carrie and Jeanette and just ask for like, what are you from as an instructor? Like, what is your position? Like, how do you feel about AI generated text in the classroom? Well, I, I oh, <laughs> go for it, Carrie. All right, I'll I'll start. Um, I I will say I uh am a major fan of all things techie. Like I geeked out when I first heard about this. I was I've been reading everything, listening to everything about it, just kind of fascinated with the process and what it can do. Because I'm someone who generally likes to embrace. Uh, change and technology in my classroom, in my teaching. Um, and I feel like resisting it or trying to fight it is only where you, you know, kind of cause problems, not just for yourself, but for students, obviously. So, um, so I'm someone who is like eager to see how I could use it in a positive way in the classroom. I feel like because of where it started or how it started, um, there's and thanks to TikTok and trends, um, <laughs> it's been kind of more used in the abused uh, category rather than used, um, you know, in the in the 
ethically appropriate category. Um, and that's kind of been a bummer to see, um, especially as I have had students I've already caught, um, you know, just copying and pasting from, from chat GPT. So that's been kind of a, a downer, I will say, um, leading me to want to be pessimistic, but I'm, I'm optimistic. I want to be optimistic. <laughs> so that makes me think about, and, and I too am trying to embrace it and trying to integrate it. I actually have an assignment where I'm asking students to use it and compare it to something that they wrote in class in handwriting, right? You know, and and talk through those differences. Um, and the three of us have had conversations offline ab about that, right? Like this idea of really kind of getting to like, wh what what does it do well that's not compromising your education? Because I think where I'm having a hard time is this potential reliance on it to the point where they're not thinking for themselves or um, students are just not learning what they need and not using it, obviously, and as you're describing, Carrie, like in the ways that it's intended um, as, a, as a support or a tool rather than just being a tool to just write the whole thing right like that's um and and it is flawed right like so it, it becomes really obvious when it's a copy and paste situation um wherein it, there hasn't been any interaction or thinking about it um so I, I think that's for me where I'm trying to figure out the place where it can be useful um and it's interesting because um Carrie, you sent the three of us a, a text that was talking, you know, so the the Atlas at all and uh, a section was talking about using ChatGPT for a thesis statement, um, having um, basically ChatGPT clarify it, make it concise. And I have really mixed feelings about that because a part of me is like, okay, uh, if it can do it well, then at least, you know, the students started with their own thought, but then it just becomes like, are they going to rely on it? And is the reliance bad? I don't know. But that that's the part that I think is I'm having a hard time with. So, yeah, this is a conversation that we've had offline amongst ourselves and with our peers pretty frequently since the start of the spring semester, right? Because I feel like that's about the time it hit. We're all preparing for the spring and then they're like, hey, did you see you students can just tell this bot to write their whole essay? And you're like, well, let's panic for a minute and then figure out how we're going to deal with that, right? Uh, and we talked a little bit about authorial intent or author's intent um, and creativity. And and although to some extent AI-generated text gives the impression of creativity, the fact of the matter is is, is, is it can't. It literally can't be creative. Um, and in in the best analogy I found was in an article I came across talking about how does how does a tool like chat GPT actually work? And the analogy the author was using was this idea of photocopies and how a copy of a copy of a copy produces like increasingly poor results that at some point it's you, you can't recognize the original thing in the photocopy because it's too many generations. So he likens it to sort of a super lossy compression system meaning that 
ChatGPT is basically taking a snapshot of all language that it's been fed, of everything on the internet that it can read, and is getting rid of extra information to compress it down to the smallest possible size. And then when you ask it to write something, it'll insert a word, and then it will make predictions on what the next word should be based on like statistics, based on probability, based on, you know, hey, we I've seen similar sentences before. Um, and so it's not a particularly accurate representation of plain language um, in that every time you use it, it's going to get progressively worse because it's copies of copies of copies. So that's why I think that's how it's able to sort of simulate um, it's how it's able to sort of simulate that creativity, but it's not there. There's no authorial intent. It's not trying to do anything other than create the most statistically pleasing sentence possible. Um, that being said, I, I think there's a case to be made for, I, I it can be used as a, as a collaborative tool in the classroom. One of the things that we do pretty frequently with our students is encourage like peer review workshops, thesis workshops, where you bring in some content and you share it with your peers and they give you feedback. And I'm like, that's, helpful like the student has a starting point and then they receive feedback about how their audience is going to potentially receive that and then they make changes and we think that's personally accept perfectly acceptable why not do the same thing with ai generated chat like give it your early draft thesis statement and be like give me feedback like what does this look like and then you know maybe it can help you or as a brainstorming tool so um what do you think about using the tool in in that way um as opposed to like a full essay generation tool, but more as a, a collaborative tool or a, a tool for like brainstorming. I'm okay with that. I mean, it's, I, I think where I, and, and I don't want to take us too off track from what you're saying, but it, I, what it made me think of the conversation I had with a student just this week, um, wherein she has been using ChatGPT for research, um, and she relies on it quite a bit. Um, and she made that admission to me, um, and I asked her, I was like, okay, do you ever check to make sure that the information you're receiving actually is accurate? And she was very honest with me, and she said, no. <laughs> and so <laughs> I think it's one of those things where there's certain areas where I'm like, ah, this makes me really nervous, but I think feedback maybe something and like almost i'm wondering if like even grammar or proofing like that sort of that's not that's already happening right like grammarly exists it's a software where you basically it, it checks your grammar essentially um we have spell check right like and in that way i can see it as not being it's a better version of it if that makes sense so i think there's uses um, and it is more in line with like the structural pieces of, and, and maybe feedback as well, right? You know, but in terms of gaining information, I feel like it's flawed. Well, and I was trying to think about how I can compare it to things students already rely on um, as far as like, you know, is it is it kind of like Wikipedia? Well, maybe content wise a little bit because it's very surface level. It doesn't really go in depth. And so I tell them, you know, when you look at Wikipedia, that's fine for brainstorming, but it's not really going to give you, you know, the, the critical thinking that we want to see about that particular subject. So I'm trying to, so I kind of use that comparison, but then I'm thinking, but at the same time, it's, it's almost like using 
Google in a way where the results that it's spitting out is just kind of a splurge of just here's a whole bunch of these random sources and Google doesn't sit there and and filter through credible um, unbiased sources. They're just giving you here are things that people click on, you know, and, and that's kind of the way that ChatGPT is working based on the knowledge that it has from all those sources. And so it just kind of spits it back, back out. The problem, like you're saying with, with using it for research is that ChatGPT isn't citing its sources. You don't know where it got that information from. And there have been people who have said that when they use it, um, they will intentionally ask it about, you know, uh, you know, give me something to talk about with this book. And it's a book that's never been written. They just made up the book title, made up the author and chat GPT will come back with, Oh yeah, that book's a great book. And here's what it's about. You know, <laughs> So it's, it's definitely not reliable um, or credible or anything like that. So it definitely doesn't check those boxes. And so I think that when you, when you explain that to students and how it works, then that says, okay, we can take it off the table as far as a resource, um, you know, or tool for research. What we can do is use it, like you were saying, for process, for revision. Um, and that's where I almost think of, I've heard of people talking about it, like, you know, how we talk about calculators, you know, when the math teacher says, you're going to need to learn this later, you're not going to have that calculator with you all the time. And they go, now I have it on my phone, you know? And so I think the same thing can be said for people arguing about chat GPT's purpose. It's like, well, it might be able to do basic stuff for you, you know, um, but it's not, it's what it's lacking or where it's lacking is that innovation. Um, and that's where I think we can keep students focused on being authentic and real with their responses and using chat GPT for structural elements, for um, word choice elements, you know, and kind of giving them some help in that sense. Um, so I see it being used effectively for process drafting, revising, rather than uh, innovation and brainstorming. The calculator uh, is a great analogy. So I think that does work. That, that is a great analogy because, yeah, this this technology isn't going to go away, right, any more than calculators went away. Um, I find, unlike those math instructors of uh, in the days of yore, uh, where I understand their point, like, do this thing longhand without relying on the calculator because we want you to understand how math functions, right? Like, this is how the pieces and parts work together, and this is why it works. And I want you to understand it at a theoretical level so that when you are using the calculator, you have an understanding of what you're actually doing, right? Which allows for creativity and innovation. If you understand how the parts work, then it's a lot easier to figure out novel ways to sort of combine those things to make them work for you and come up with new ideas. Um, if you're just typing an idea into a chat bot without consideration for how a writing process and the brainstorming process works, then maybe you're setting yourself up for failure because you're not allowing yourself to sort of conceive of new ideas and figure out how to sort of synthesize your conceptions of the world with other pre-existing conceptions of the world, right? Um, and I like, Carrie, I like your point about, hey, this this is really effective as a process tool because yeah, Grammarly already exists and it does a lot of that editorial stuff. Hey, there's a better way to say this. Maybe take out some of these extra words. Maybe use this fancy word over here. Here's a period. This is a better way to sort of articulate the idea. And I harbored... I almost wish my students would use that more because I feel like their papers would be a lot better. And, you know, it's not to undermine the work they've already done, but I'm like, it's obvious you're not you're doing any kind of revision because this is the same thing you've turned in over and over and over again. Um, yeah. So 
and, and I feel like the idea of using it as a process tool fits really well with what we're trying to do in the GEW classroom as well, right? And and sort of admits that this tool exists and it can be useful in this way. Um, but then I think there's also going to be a responsibility for the instructors to explain to their students why we're making that distinction, that it's okay for revision, editorial, sort of participating in the process, the writing process, as opposed to brainstorming or idea generation, um, either because the information that it's quoting doesn't actually exist or isn't true, or whether it's the fact that you're robbing yourself of the opportunity to exercise your own creativity, which for me is sort of like the bigger crime, right? Like robbing yourself of the opportunity for creativity, because from my perspective, for a lot of students, like that seems to be the limiting factor is like you give them a prompt and go, I don't know what to write about. Like that's your immediate response. I don't know what to write about. What should I write about? I don't know, man, work that brain of yours. <laughs> you got a, you got a, you got a big old brain, like use it. Like what, what is interesting to you? Um, and there's probably a way to write about it in the classroom. Um, so, uh, it, it, what I'm hearing is there's a, a space for chat GPT and it's, it's probably in our best interests to sort of acknowledge that. And maybe in some cases, encourage our students to interact with it. Right. Um, what do we do about the students that that abuse it or should we do something about the students that abuse it and use it as a content generation tool to write their essays? Well, like I said, I had an unfortunate instance where or incident where a student used it and unfortunately they didn't even double check <laughs> to see that the response that they copied and pasted even said as an AI language model. <laughs> so they, they didn't even try to hide it. Um, and that was kind of depressing. No, um, <laughs> I think I'm okay with myself and my, my subconscious, my conscious, uh, my consciousness. Um, I'm okay with conscience. I'm okay. Conscience. That's the word I was going for. <laughs> Should have asked Chappie T. No, um, I, I'm, I'm okay with reporting students or not necessarily reporting, but identifying it as plagiarism if they um, abuse it in that way, because um, the ideas aren't their own. They're not original. Like it, it falls into that category to me very clearly. Um, and so I think that we can, we can classify it as plagiarism when they just copy paste. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm like thinking it through as I'm explaining it because I'm I'm trying to make those decisions like now because I know that I'm going to be confronted with it even more. So I'm kind of like, is this how I feel about it? Yes. Okay. Now I can, you know, move on. So, yeah. I agree. And for me, it's so the way that I arrived at it, though, I had a conversation with students and it was a rather interesting discussion because we were talking about ChatGPT, and I asked them, so if you submit something to me, an essay, even just a short piece of writing, um, and I use ChatGPT to form the feedback for you, um, are you okay with that? And there was a range of emotion, which was the interesting part. So some students were like, man you know but there was a little bit of uh, i guess hesitancy and you know and so i was like well can you can we articulate why and so one student raised their hand and they said 
Well, because I'm expecting you to give me feedback, you, the human who knows me. Um, and so, and, and kind of what's unsaid is they could always ask themselves, right. You know, but they value or at least inherit, like that, that's how I'm reading it, value what I think. Um, and so there's this expectation that the feedback will come from me and that the writing is coming from me. And so I would say for these assignments, if I've clearly articulated, I would like these to come from you, right? Like this is your writing. Um, do not use ChatGPT as like a source, like for of research, maybe use it in process, but it should be your you know, your writing, then I think in that way, it's no different than copy and pasting something else that they received online. So um, th that that was really interesting for me where I did flip it and students, at least some of them were pretty clear that they did not want me to use it, at least in feedback. Can I just say, I love that you asked them that. I think that that question is fantastic. <laughs> Well, I've thought about it, right? <laughs> because in thinking about like how to use it, it's like, I, I, and, and to be honest, I haven't done that yet. Um, I've experimented with prompts, like have it write a prompt, which I haven't used either, but um, have it write an email, you know, like, so there's all these different ways. And, you know, we as writing instructors know this, but we write a lot too, right? Like this is, this is part of what we do. So um, it is this question of like, well, if you're using it, then can I use it too? I should be able to. I actually, on that note, I, I was struggling to come up with some discussion questions. And so I asked ChatGPT to come up with them for me. They were so, uh, like... <laughs> I was like, these are not going to garner the responses that I really want. And I kept trying to ask it. Like I kept, you know, how you can like change your question, change your prompt to get it, to give you uh, better answers. And I was like, I was like, okay, kind of like that, but with more like a personalized response or something. And it was just like it, the discussion questions it created were asking students to regurgitate the information that they read, like literally what was the author's main point? And I was like, that's not a discussion question. Like <laughs> that's just a did you do the reading question <laughs> so it was funny that even for me like I was like oh I'm gonna use this to help me and then I was like you're no help <laughs> see there's that creativity problem in order to ask some of those discussion questions you have to have in your mind what you want the discussion to do right uh the classic leading question problem um where I do it to my students all the time and I, and I think it's funny, Carrie or uh, Jeanette, you mentioned that like students are like, no, we want the feedback from you. I feel like my students would vehemently disagree because my feedback seems to be more confusing than helpful 90% of the time. So they're like, no, please find another way to give us feedback. Um, I've had a couple of students come up and they're like, um, thanks for reading my paper and, and giving me comments, but what do they mean? <laughs> I'm like, okay, so I said here that this paragraph is disconnected from this idea. I'm like, oh, well, you gave me a bunch of descriptive summary, but you didn't tell me why it should matter. Like, which then once I say something like that, I realize that's probably what I should have put there in the first place. But that's not where my brain space is at when I'm reading their essays. I'm like identifying these issues and just saying it in the most complex way possible, apparently. Um, so yeah, I feel like my students would be like, yes, please use the robot. It'll, we'll be able to understand the robot. Stop giving us feedback. We don't understand. Um, I, I, I liked your comments about how do we deal with 
um, students who are, are sort of abusing the system, right? Using it to, to generate texts. And I too consider it plagiarism. It's sort of an interesting place for us to be as instructors though, because while the campus is, is encouraging us and our, our directors are encouraging us to include language about chat GPT in our syllabus, I haven't seen any formal changes to the academic honesty policy on campus yet. Like this is moving faster than the sort of official bureaucracy can follow at this point. And so in a certain regard, the students or I'm sorry, the instructors are responsible, I think, for define formulating and defining what that honesty policy should be, right? I, I can see in like the very new future where, you know, the the executive board of the school that's responsible for making those decisions starts reaching out to the teachers and being like how are we defining this is it broadly plagiarism um can like what are some of the nuances and gray areas like can we use it as a revision and editorial tool can we use it as a a collaboration tool can we use it for you know what if what if they're paraphrasing something that chat gpt did as part of revision is that still plagiarism when it originated with their first like there's a lot of sort of nuance to it that that we're going to continue to have to sort of uh, think about and address as as it becomes more prevalent and we start seeing more um, evidence of it in our students' writing. But it is hard, right? Because sometimes I want to be able to point to the academic policy, honesty policy and be like, well, the school says no, I'm sorry. You know, hands are tied, but you know, we're just not there yet. Um, one last thing, because we've been running for a little over 20 minutes at this point, but one last thing I did want to touch on was our prompts and our assignment designs and are there ways where we can encourage students to engage with critical thinking, to engage with problem solving that maybe mitigate or obviate or, or prevent the use of like chat GPT as a, a resource, um, you know, basically making it exceedingly difficult, if not impossible for them to be like, oh, I'm just going to type this prompt into the, the jet, the, the old AI generated chat machine and, and see what it writes out for me. I'm wondering if there's something in the way that we, I think it does come down to the way that we write our prompts in that without it being too obvious, but almost that students need to rely on some of the information or the discussion that was had in class. And I guess theoretically you could t like tell the bot to do that, but I feel like that would be less likely to happen um, if it's like a concept or something like in terms of um, what was discussed because in the assignment I had for my students um, that did come up where it was sort of like, well, we discussed um, how actually humor could be a form of pathos, right? Like it's an appeal to emotion in the sense of like, not traditionally, but, and the, 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 the output from ChatGPT did not get that, did not understand that. That was something that was discussed in class. So I don't know if that helps or if that's one small way. I, I know that the technology will probably be updated, um, wherein I'm I am curious to see where all of this is headed in terms of um and we've talked about this, like there's there's discussion of improving um the software so that the um 
the sourcing is more reliable and, and things like that. So I suspect, uh, I, I think what I'm having a hard time with actually is these, uh, the, the lack of the fact that it will be dynamic and changing, right? Like, so what we're sort of deciding now or adjusting to, we're going to have to keep adjusting to, if that makes sense. Yeah. It feels a little bit like an arms race, right? Um, the minute we, we, more or less come up with a solution or approach that seems to sort of mitigate um, opportunities for students to to sort of abuse the system, they're going to find a new way around. And honestly, that is a tale as old as time. <laughs> you know, I feel like um, all of the anti-cheat programs and, and browser lockdowns and sort of as technology becomes more prevalent in the classroom, all the tools that instructors are given to try and manage student honesty. Um, it's always an arms race, right? Like it's always escalating. Every time we find out a way to lock things down, students find a way around it and God bless their creativity, right? Um, I like the idea of the prompt inc including or being reliant on something that necessarily isn't necessarily general knowledge or widely available to the, the public, right? So, hey, this this really is based on a conversation that we had in the classroom, like an actual lecture um, of your own devising and, and include sort of um, the, the student's uh, the outcome of the student's participation, right? Like, hey, what did we discuss in class? What were some of the things your peers said? Like, how can you write to that? Because it's really hard to cheat when it's that specific. Um, or you could be like me and write really um, unintentionally but complicated prompts that require sort of like multi-stage processing. Um, hey, you're going to do this, 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 and this. There's like five different things that all sort of like work together. You got to choose a critical lens. You have to choose um, a primary text. You have to choose... You have to describe how that primary that that critical lens gets applied to the primary text, and then you need to do the analysis, and then, right? So there's like 27 steps there, and and they're all sort of like integrated and interrelated. Good luck trying to communicate that to a bot and getting a an usable output. I mean, the students don't even know what I'm asking, so ha, I've beat them. They don't know what I'm asking. I win. <laughs> if they don't know what I'm asking, they can't tell the bot what I'm asking. Um, my other thought too was was changing up how or or what we consider to be writing um and creating opportunities for things like multimodal um composition so podcasts uh video essays um creating opportunities where wor word count and page count is not the driver of success um because i think once we stop emphasizing those as the measure of success Instead, start emphasizing things like the quality of your argument, the robustness of your critical analysis, then it creates a space where at least the current iterations of these AI-generated chatbots um, really just are going to underperform, right? They're, they're just not going to be able to sort of meet the instructor's criteria. Uh, so we're almost, we're at about 30 minutes. Um, and this feels like kind of a, maybe a good spot to to wrap up today's episode. So as always, I'll, I'll throw it back to Carrie Jeanette. Are there any sort of um, go backs or advice or just sort of final thoughts, if you will, for our, our fellow instructors out there um, struggling with the, the moral and ethical dilemmas of AI generated chat? I think all this ultimately it, has echoes of plagiarism um even as you were you were just talking through this idea of what we can do to um make it less 
um appealing somehow to to use it uh it's it it felt like what we've talked about like in order to avoid plagiarism right like so um i feel like there's still that parallel and yet this is different right like i i really like the idea of trying to figure out like and what you said changing how we define writing right like this idea of maybe it isn't maybe these like non-traditional multimodal ways of doing things and like taking a little bit of the pressure off in terms of being able to formulate it, because obviously essays are this thing that theoretically chat gpt is used for right you know and could do so i think again it's it's a matter of sort of seeing how things go um but just as instructors being aware of it talking about it um experimenting with it and not being afraid to let your students also experiment with it i think one of my kind of key takeaways or kind of things that i'm thinking in the back of my mind is that it it makes me think about how innovation really needs to be at this the core of what I'm trying to get students to do. And and I think that um because that's what Chat GPT can't do. Um and when I think about, you know, when they go into the workplace, um, you know, and now especially when they apply for jobs, you know, a lot of employers are asking the the um applicants to you know, come up with something on the spot to write something on the spot to, you know, and, and so it's more about kind of, they want to know that your ideas are going to be something that are new, fresh, authentic, um, not a conglomerate of everything you've read online <laughs> and let me autofill and, you know, what, what, what you're expecting. And on that same token, it makes me think about my own prompts and my approach to, teaching students some of this, I need to be more innovative with what I'm asking students to do. You know, a rhetorical analysis of um, Martin Luther King's speech is probably not as innovative. We're not going to garner a very innovative response um, than, you know, having them take that and do something different with it. So I think it goes back to asking us as well to to think of different ways that we can encourage student innovation rather than just defaulting to things that have worked in the past. Embrace change <laughs> is, is my thinking now. <laughs> That's great. Embrace change. I like that a lot. Um, so one of the other articles that I read this week with regards to AI generated chat was fears of technology are really fears about capitalism. Um, meaning that every time there's a new tool or system that seeks to disrupt um, existing established roles and jobs, there's naturally going to be a fear of it, right? And I think as writing instructors, we're to some extent a little fearful of how this technology is disrupting what we're trying to do in the classroom because I think we're correct in that what we do has merit and it has value, but maybe our focus ultimately is less on the output, which is which is the writing itself, and more an emphasis on innovation, creativity, problem solving. You know, we're we're trying to do all of those things, right? But the way that we assess um, mastery and whether or not the student has acquired the knowledge and can apply it is through the writing. And I think by decentering the role of writing 
in a rhetorical uh, classroom and instead maybe putting the focus on innovation and creativity, maybe we create an opportunity where um, students just find that the the tool just isn't that helpful because it can't do those things, right? And and so they're disinclined to use it. It's not like we, we, we essentially disincentivize the use of it. They're like, oh, it's not doing the thing I want. It's not really helping. It's just one more extra step I don't want to do. It's probably just easier if I do this myself, right? Um, and, and that actually makes me kind of hopeful because one of my ideas for a future podcast episode is to ask the question of if we are really seeking to assess our students' ability to, to think critically and to problem solve, are our writing prompts becoming a limit to that? Like, is the design of our writing assignments actually preventing the things that we're looking for? Um, because sometimes the writing prompts, like this is the challenge that I'm facing, right, is when I feel like the prompt is simple enough students don't really engage with it and they do the least amount of work possible to sort of fulfill the minimum requirements of the prompt. On the other hand, if I make them what I feel is suitably complex enough to sort of elicit a more creative and innovative response, they, they feel overly challenged by the prompt. They're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Like if there's no, I'm not answering questions. I'm not doing this. Like what is going on? Um, and, and so it's like, you know, how do I find that sweet spot or, or do I spend more time modeling innovation do i spend more time um introducing to those types of complex prompts before asking them to sort of write to them right um you know and that's that's a problem i have to solve but um so yeah i guess in one way our, our fear of of technology in this case is fear of well if the robot can write an essay do i have a job do i need to teach students how to write essays <laughs> or do i need to adapt and change and, and make my job something else right um, put more emphasis on teaching them how to think and less emphasis on teaching them how to write a coherent sentence. Um, yeah, great discussion. I don't know that we solved any problems, um, but at the very least, I hope that that our listeners, our fellow instructors find this to be a sympathetic discussion, right? Uh, oh my God, me too. I felt the same way. Um, and we'll feel encouraged that we're all sort of facing the same challenges. Uh, I think that'll do it for this week's episode. Um, I hope you found it in informative and maybe a little bit entertaining. Uh, our next episode will probably be back to our usual programming of, you know, for our first year students. Uh, but in the meantime, get out there and write something.